Good evening, Christ Fellowship. How's everybody doing tonight? So glad that all of you are here with us. If everybody could stand to their feet tonight, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 100. We say this week after week, but it never gets old. This is the time that we honor God's Word. And so we ask that during these moments that you would just cease all conversation and all movement and let's just focus on what God has to say. And let's welcome Pastor Marty as he comes to read the word tonight. Amen, amen, amen. Welcome to week 37 of the North Georgia Revival. Do you have your Bibles? Go to Psalm 100, as Christian said. As we read from the word this evening. The Bible says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good. I said, for the Lord is good. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who wait on the Lord, those who wait, those who wait on the Lord. Psalm 100, verse 2 says, serve the Lord. It's the same phrase. It's the same vernacular that basically it doesn't mean I'm just going to sit and wait for God to move. I'm going to sit and wait for God to show up. I'm going to sit and wait until He does something. I'm not going to do anything until He shows up and does it. But that's not what it says in Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord. That's not what it means in Psalm 100 where it says serve the Lord with gladness. Serve and wait mean I will serve you, Lord. You want gladness? I'll bring you gladness. You want thanksgiving? You want praise? You want adoration? You want my worship? I'll serve you. I'll wait on you. Come sit at my table. Come sit at my table. If nobody else wants you at their table, I want you at mine. I'm begging you to show up to my table. I need you at my table. I'm going to serve you well at my table. I'll come back and refill your cup till it's overflowing with joy and worship. I'm going to bring you a sacrifice of praise in the house. Can we lift our hands all over the room as we begin to, to worship and magnify the one true King of Kings. Father, week 37, we're here for you. We're not asking you to do anything, Lord. We just want you to receive our praise. Lord, we thank you that you showed up waiting for us. And Lord, tonight we serve you cheerfully. We serve you, Lord with honor. We serve you, Lord, with majesty. We robe you with majesty tonight. God, we give you our voice and our mouth and our hands 
in our hearts as we begin to sing and magnify you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, be glorified in this house. King Jesus, be magnified in this place. Have your way tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I rest, the fountain I drink from, oh, He is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, He is my song, as you are
You know, one thing I know about the Lord is that no matter what our situation and circumstance looks like, His character remains the same. He is good. He is good. No matter what we're walking through, no matter what we're facing, none of that changes who He is. He is good. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is good. So I don't know about you tonight, but I just want to declare his goodness because he's worthy. You are good, Lord. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you give good gifts. We thank you that you are worthy to be praised, that you are trustworthy, that you are above our situations and circumstance. We thank you and we tell you that you are good. You are good forever good never changing always the same you are good you are good come on right where you are tonight hands held high let's sing it out you are good good oh come on lift it up you are good you're good oh you are good you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, you're good.
How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living hope Who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to bear my sin and wear my shame. The cross has
As I walk out through the night, let your love rise above everything. Like the sun shaping the shadow, in my weakness, your glory.
Heaven is open. Every voice. Heaven is open. Every need you have. Every need that you need is right here. Has a name, has a name. If you have a need tonight, if you have a need right now, let's lift our hands to him, myself included. I need more of you. I need more of you, God. As we say, heaven is open. Heaven is open. Heaven is open. Heaven is open. striving there's no more striving you have access you have access somebody needs to hear tonight you have access because you feel like you've done so wrong that God has shut a door on you where you can't find him he's right beside you Worthy, heaven is open. Hear him singing over you right now. He's singing over you right now. A song of deliverance, a song of freedom, a song of freedom. He's freeing minds right now, he's freeing hearts right now.
his name praise his name father we lift up our hands to you tonight and we magnify you and our hearts prayer tonight is that you revive us however we came into this room tonight Jesus we want to leave changed altered turned upside down inside out where there's sadness, bring joy. Lord, where there's mourning, bring laughter. Where there's brokenness, bring wholeness and purpose. Where there's addiction, bring liberty. Where there's fear, Father, bring peace and assurance. Where there's inconsistency, Lord, we pray for a baptism of commitment, a baptism of fire, a baptism of love. We bless your name tonight, Lord. Hundreds of us tonight, hundreds of us tonight, hundreds of us tonight, Lord, we bless your name. The name that is above every name. 
And at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm -hmm. Come on, give that Jesus a hand clap of praise, would you, right now? I tell you what, it is exciting to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Week number 37 of the North Georgia Revival. Come on, let's give it up. Give it up to the Lord. 37 weeks, lives being changed, marriages being saved, bodies being healed, folks being saved, addicts being set free. My Lord. Take about two or three minutes, shake the hands of those around you, welcome them to North Georgia Revival Christ Fellowship Church. Do that. So good to have you tonight at the North Georgia Revival. We want to welcome all of you. It's an honor to be able to uh, continue to host what God is doing. If this is your very first time at the North Georgia Revival, very first time, would you lift your hand up high so that we can see it? God bless you. God bless you. All across the building. Is there anyone outside of the Georgia area? Anybody drive in from out of state tonight? Anybody from out of state? Where are you guys from? North Carolina? North, what part of North Carolina? Wow. How long of a drive was it? Wow. Thank you for coming all the way from North Carolina. Someone else? Anybody else? Yes. Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I know exactly where that is. That is a great place to live. Beautiful country. Thank you for coming down. Took you, what, three and a half, three hours? Okay, y'all come through that mountain area. Did you get sick? Coming through Jasper and those areas. Thank y'all for being here. First time? First time. All right. We've got people watching from all over the world. 
In fact, we want you to do us a favor. Go to your Facebook and get on Christ Fellowship Church Dawsonville. Christ Fellowship Dawsonville. And we're online live. People, again, all over the country are watching. We want you to share the uh, video right now. Share uh, what's going on uh, so people can catch and see. Uh, sometimes um, by the end of the service, anywhere from 7,000, 5 to 7,000 people are viewing and have watched during the night, and it just continues to build. So we want to make sure that you're aware of that, that uh, there'll be people that you want to see what's ha uh, tell them what's happening so that they can um, experience it as well. In January of 2018, for those of you that don't know, our church was in a 21-day fast, hungering and thirsting for a move of God. We were desperate. We needed God to show up in our midst. And God answered our prayers. And while we were fasting, the Lord took me in prayer as I was walking on this platform toward that baptistry. We get a lot of questions as to what's happening in this church, what's going on, what's the significance of the baptistry. And I'm walking toward the baptistry. It was completely empty, but, I, but the Lord showed it to me for a brief moment that it was absolutely full with a strip of fire on the water about two and a half to three feet wide. And as I'm looking at the water and I'm looking at that image of fire on the water, the Lord said to me, He said, Todd, I'm going to baptize people in Holy Spirit fire. And my assumption was this. People getting saved in our church would get baptized and immediately they would be filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost and fire. That was my, that's as far as I could see. Little did I know, since February the 11th, this church has baptized right at, if not over, 1,700 people in the last eight, nine months here at Christ Fellowship Church. Come on now, somebody. Come on, that's somewhere to giving some praise. Somebody ought to get excited. 1,700 lives change. We have seen bonafide miracles that have been verified by doctors and dentists that have confirmed the miracles, marriages being reconciled, and I'm just tickled to be able to present to you tonight an opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit fire that's in that water. Come on now, somebody. I hear it all the time. Well, you know, you, you get baptized once. What's the necessity to get baptized in that water again? There's no necessity. It's just an encounter. I don't know why the woman had to fight through the crowd to touch Jesus' garment. But there was healing power in the tassel. God has chosen this medium for this season. I, don't I can't explain it. I don't know why. I just know it's not anti-biblical. I know it is God said, I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit fire. And when people get into that water, they encounter God. We have two that I want to get to testify tonight. Tammy and Travis Bradley. Where are you guys? Come on up here very quickly. I want you guys to come up here. Give it up for these two right here. 
absolutely amazing what God has done in their life and in their physical body. I've seen more miracles over the last nine months than I had my entire ministry. I've seen more manifestation of the power of God in the last nine months than I did for the previous 25 to 27 years in ministry. Pastor Gabriel Trevino, he may be watching right now, all the way from Jacksonville, Florida, was here last Sunday night, Pastor. Came to our pastor's conference discouraged and frustrated. On Monday, gets baptized in those waters. I mean, we got two pictures of him. He's out in the Holy Ghost. He had to float out. We literally, the team had to carry him out in the water. Now, this is a, an Assembly of God pastor. He came discouraged, frustrated, tired, worn out. He gets whacked by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way I can describe it. He gets touched by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and on his way home in the car, he texts me and he says, Pastor, my wife and I, Tammy and I, just feel lighter. We feel lighter. And he goes on to say, he says, even the colors are brighter. He texted me this morning before church. I just encouraged him and texted him. And, and I said, bro, just love you, just love you. And he preached. He said, he texted me after church. He said, I preached on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He says, he says, people got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he went on to say, we baptized nine people in water. Come on now, somebody. He said the place, and he used the words, you know when you use capital letters that you're trying to say something? He simply put the word shifted. He said something shifted in our church today. I just want to commend all of you for being here last Sunday, last Monday for our pastor's conference. Over 180 leaders from around the country were here, and their lives will never be the same. Where's Pastor Todd? Pastor Todd, come here. This is you and your wife right here. Come on up here. I know, listen, you're thinking, oh no, what am I coming up here for? I want the two of you to come up here. My goodness, give it up for these pastors serving our community, loving Jesus. I'll, I'll let you introduce your wife, face everybody, but I know last, last Sunday, really last Monday, hi, I'm Todd, by the way. Tina, all right. Um, he's a big boy, isn't he? He's a big man. Um, Todd, you came here last last Sunday night, right? Or Monday Monday for the pastors' conference, a couple Sunday nights a week a few weeks ago, and you got into those waters on on Monday morning. Can you just tell people what happened? Now this is a pastor. Pastors a Baptist church. Okay, an incredible, <laughs> incredible Baptist church. Incredible Baptist church. Lovely. He and his wife, Tammy, pastor that church. How long were y'all been pastoring? Uh, we, uh, we planted this church. Uh, we launched two years ago in coming uh, as our second church plant. And uh, we've been planting for about seven years now. Uh, came here for the pastor's conference. Well, we were here a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night. And uh, really just kept feeling like I was supposed to go down and get baptized. And, of course, I argue with myself and with God, why would I do that? I've already been baptized. And... Um, 
And then I thought, well, you know, I know this is being broadcast online and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, if I go down there, there's going to be a lot of questions. And so I did. I pushed back. And, uh, yeah, I did what, you know, people in my own congregation do on Sunday mornings. And uh, I pushed back. And then on Monday, I kept feeling like that I needed to do something. And God confirmed it in many ways. One way was in our pastor's breakout session. One of the folks that are sitting right in front of me uh, began talking to them. And there, uh, on their staff was one of the twin brothers from my former pastor up in, in Tennessee, which you then called out the executive pastor to come up and testify from that Baptist church. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, Lord, I'm hearing you. And then when Pastor Todd started, he brought out the bench and he started to, to ask people to come forward to be baptized, I started moving. Y'all know when people get ready, they move. And that's, that was me moving. And then he told someone over here, I'm not ready yet. And I was like, okay, we weren't ready yet, but I was running. I was sitting right over here and I went down and everyone was so wonderful. And when I came and I stepped foot in that water, I really felt like it was on fire. I mean, I really did. And I thought, okay, what have they done to the water here? It's on fire, but it wasn't hurting at all. And the further I stepped down into the water, the more powerful it got. And then I, I mean, I really thought that they had put some electricity in the water. And the lady, <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm gonna die today. And, uh, uh, but there were people getting baptized in front of me. They were okay, they were laid out, but they were okay. And um, the lady that was praying for me, bless her heart, she was so sweet. And the whole time she was praying for me as I came down, wherever you're at, thank you so much because that is her. And of course your husband baptized me along with Pastor Robbie. And when you were praying for me, I felt the Holy Spirit moving all through me the whole time. And when I came down and they asked me to talk, I thought, well, like I'm doing now, I'm a pastor, I'm gonna talk a lot, but I didn't, I couldn't say anything. All I said was I want more of him and all of him so that I can tell my flock and do that with my flock. I was baptized about nine and I had a time apart from him. And in our church, I rebaptize people all the time. And here I was arguing and thinking, why am I not gonna get baptized? I needed to be obedient and set the standard for our own church. And when I got baptized, <laughs> I'd seen people float out and I thought, that's not gonna be me. Well, I was kind of tippy-toed trying to hang on, you know, with my tippy-toes. And then I hear Pastor Todd said, bring him back over. And he put his hand on my head and Pastor Robbie Mathis was holding on to me too. And he said, we're gonna baptize you two more times. Two more times. I, let me be honest with you, that Saturday before this Monday, I had excruciating pain in my back, in my lower back that was about debilitating me, came from nowhere, from my knowledge. And I was in so much pain as I was standing, a pastor friend of mine said, I'll sit down if you wanna sit down, we can sit down together. I said, no. I'm not sitting down. And Pastor Todd prayed for me the second time for healing. Well, the second time for the Holy Spirit, the third time for healing. And my back is healed. Give glory. Give glory to God. So thank you for allowing me. I was, I was sitting there going, man, I wish I could share my story, but he's got too many people and you called me. So thank you for allowing me allow me to share. You're probably not going to have time to preach now. 
Tammy, what do you think about what happened to him? It's Tina, sorry. <laughs> Tina. That's okay, Tina. I'm sorry. Tina, tell me what's happened to him. He's changed. Yeah. Okay. Listen. When you got baptized, I told someone, because I'm standing right over there, you lost all color. Yes, you did. Were you with me? Who was with me? Ken, you were with me. Because you filmed it and laughed the whole time. He laughed the whole time. Yes, he laughed the whole time. And, and, he, and I said to him, he's lost his color. He went white, ashy white. It was like the, the old Todd was being drained out of him and the spirit of love and fire was being re... Well, a transfusion. Praise God. Give it up for these two, Tina and Pastor. Come on, guys. This is Tammy and Travis Bradley. Come on up here, um, Tammy. And you and your husband have come to this revival how long now? Uh, we started coming around the 1st of July. The 1st of July. All right. And when you walked in the building, what did you experience when you walked in? What did you sense? Just a feeling of rest and peace and just that God was here. He was really here. And, Tammy, what um, you came down to be baptized. It started. Yeah, it started back there in my seat. Um, the Holy Spirit just sit, really sat down on me back there. Um, I looked at my husband. I've, I've been baptized, and same as the other guy. And I knew I, could, I had to get to the water fast because I was just already messed up. Um, but when I got back there, the ladies were praying over me. And I just want to thank God for this, the workers. Um, but the Holy Spirit was so strong back there. And um, by the time I got into the water, I knew I, they had to hurry because the Spirit was so strong. It's like I had this urgency. I wanted more of Him, but I wanted it right now. Um, and then when I got baptized... Um, we got baptized together. Marty prayed. He asked us why we was getting in the water. And I said, for healing, because I've got lupus. And with lupus, you have a lot, you have a lot of things to get healed. Um, so he just prayed for all over healing for me. Does anybody in here have lupus? Anybody? Because this is going to build your faith right here. Now listen to what she's saying. Um, so I got baptized and first of all it just put me on fire for God for weeks um, I went home and my biggest ailment at that time was my foot I had a fibroid tumor in the bottom of my foot and every time I walked it was like walking on a grape um, it was very very painful how big was it was it a grape size a big grape yeah he had to massage my foot every night so that's why he's here <laughs> but um Every night, he was massaging my foot, and the pain started getting better and better. It started shrinking, and I kept saying, is it shrinking, honey, or is it me? And he kept saying, it's shrinking. But every day since I got baptized, I would go home, I would put my hand on my foot, and I would say, thank you, God, for my healing. I know you healed me in that water, and by your stripes, I'm healed. And I just started claiming my healing every single day. 
And even though it was shrinking, I never gave up because I kept saying, God, you don't finish what you've started. I want complete healing. I want it to be gone. Um, let me back up a minute. The tumor was so bad, it was in my plantar fasciitis, which is a tendon that runs in the bottom of my foot. And the doctor said, if he had to take it out, and he said he refuses to take it out. If he had to take it out, he would have to take that whole tendon out, which I may not use that foot again. So anyway, God kept, he, he kept shrinking it, shrinking it, shrinking it. And um, it was, it finally, it, it was completely gone. Completely gone. It's gone today. It's gone. Completely gone. He, he kept asking me, he said, why haven't you asked me to rub my foot, rub your foot? And I said, you know what? It doesn't hurt. Well, let, let me back up again. Um, I had to keep, once the pain went away, I had to put a note on my refrigerator. Because you know when you have pain, it reminds you to pray. Well, I didn't have the pain, so I had to put a note on my refrigerator to remind me to pray for my foot. So when I saw the note, I said, oh, yeah, I got to pray for my foot. So that reminded me to keep doing that same prayer. And I just want to tell anybody or whoever's getting baptized or has got baptized, I'm going to preach a minute. Okay. When they marched around Jericho, he gave them seven days. He gave them seven days. And if they wouldn't have followed his instructions, he would, that, that wall wouldn't have fell. But guess what? They didn't stop on two days. They kept on and kept on marching. And the seventh day, that wall fell. So if you're getting in that water or, you haven't got, or you're getting baptized and you haven't got your healing, don't stop praying. He's testing your faith. He wants to see how strong you are. And I just give him all the praise. All the praise. What do you think? She is 100% uh, correct because most every night I would rub her foot and I could, I could feel it and I would touch it and she'd just about come unglued. And then after she got baptized, we got baptized, it just started getting smaller and smaller. Not that I minded rubbing her foot, but God healed her. It is not there. I'm not a doctor, but trust me when I say I can rub her foot hard and not feel it at all now. Come on, let's stand to our feet and give God praise. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, guys. Love y'all. My goodness. My Lord, he is good. You may be seated. Um, I just, or I'm just amazed at God's healing power. Praise His name. I want to um, receive an offering tonight for our speaker, Pat Schatzlein. If you were here this morning, you know how powerful his message was to our congregation. Life-changing and uh, a paradigm shift. And there are a few men and women that can take an assignment from the Lord and run with it and fulfill everything that God has for him. And I literally believe that Pat Chatsline has an assignment over our house. He is a voice that speaks into our leadership a voice that speaks into our congregation. We trust Him. We honor Him and His precious wife, Karen, that live in Fort Worth, Texas. God has raised Him up for this end time. He's a revivalist. He travels the world already this year, 186,000 miles in the air, traveling from place to place, preaching the gospel. Nearly every night away from His family, but He has an assignment. 
And I think he's on an assignment tonight. And so I want us to prepare an offering, a really, really strong offering tonight to benefit the ministry of Pat Schatzline so that he can go home and be blessed, so that he doesn't have to worry about resources, getting his team here, about traveling around the world. I want him to leave tonight knowing that he's been among friends. So I'm going to ask all of us to stand to our feet one more time. We're going to give the offering. And we're going to give generously. We're not takers tonight. We're not consumers tonight alone. We're just here to be a blessing to the Lord, to worship Him. And as we worship Him, He's going to bless us. And as we give to uh, this ministry, it'll be shaken down. Listen, shaken together, pressed down. And now I'm talking about running over in your life. Today, our church raised an offering of approximately $200,000. Come on now, give God praise. We'll be counting all of that tomorrow, pledges and gifts. $200,000 with about 200 people. Now listen to me. We're doing all of that to remodel this entire sanctuary and our entire complex. The Lord has told us to prepare for thousands. He spoke to my heart a few, uh, just two weeks ago and he says, Todd, prepare for 2,000 people. Our facility needs to be brought up, our digital, we need to be brought out of the analog era into the high definition era. So we took up monies, the outside of the building will be painted, all of the carpet, everything will be done redone here and in the lobby. Everything that you see now, for most part, will be changed in the next eight to ten months. But Pastor, we want to bless you because you were such a blessing to us this morning. So let's give to the man of God tonight. Would you? Prepare your hearts and your gift right now. Father, would you hold them up right now? Father, we in this room, all of us are givers tonight. All of us are sharing in the ministry of Pat Schatzline and his precious family and Miss Karen. Pray your blessing. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As you are seated, watch this two-minute video on Canale Ministry Training Center. My wife will have a brief announcement, then Pastor Pat will come.
and my focus has been on Him. God is attracted to our hunger. I have always loved Him and loved the ministry, but Caneo takes it to a personal level that is so much deeper than what we learned in Sunday school. We can never know Him enough. Caneo Ministry Training Center has stirred a hunger inside of me for His Word, for His presence, and a hunger to see people change by the same power that God has changed my life. Caneo has given me the courage to share the information and knowledge that I've received with those around me so that their lives may be changed and that we can all go forward and change our world. Every Caneo student understands their authority in Christ and are able to operate in their gifting. This is a huge blessing to every pastor in every church. I believe that Caneo was an intricate part of God visiting our church. Can you say amen right there? Church, many of you may have missed uh, the last enrollment for Caneo uh, Ministry Training Center year one. And because of that, uh, we've had many contact our office and say, you know, is, this, is it too late? It, can I still get it? And it is too late for that round. But in January 2019, we're starting another Caneo One class. And this, this is your opportunity. We've never done this before. We've never had two Caneo One classes running at the same time. But I believe the demand is there. I believe the curiosity is there. I believe that the hunger is there. And so some of you may have said, man, I missed the last sign-up. I missed the last enrollment. Well, now's your chance. Some of you said, well, it was, it's on Tuesday night. I can't do Tuesday night. Now it's on Monday. So we're making a way for you to come and be a part of us. If, if you have ever been a part of Caneo in any capacity, stand up real quick. If you're in now, if you've ever been in, all right, find one of these people after the service and ask them about the influence that Caneo has had in their life. I want to strongly encourage you, you guys can be seated. Go to our website, check out Caneo One. The course description is there for you. Uh, it'll open up the Word of God unlike you've ever seen before. We talk about things like the prayer life. We talk about blood covenant, the life and the ministry of Jesus. These passages of Scripture that he says in the, in the text, these parables that he talks about, and you read them and you think, what in the world is he talking about? Well, we go over things like that, and the Word of God will come alive to you. So go online, visit our uh, website, caneomtc.com, click on year one, and read the class descriptions and enroll. Come and join us. Now is the time that we need to be able to answer for the hope that lies on the inside of us. Guys, you can do this. It's not too hard. Some people get freaked out about a classroom. Listen, we'll go over things in two hours that you're not going to get on a Sunday morning. That's right. Your pastor just doesn't have time. But we'll dig into the scripture, and the Lord will bless you. He'll bring revelation. Amen? All right, check it out. Hallelujah. And join us this January. Come on. Pastor Schatzlein, Pat Schatzlein, welcoming him as he comes. Stand to your feet. The Lord's going to bless us tonight through the word. Pastor Pat brought the word this morning. I think we could have all sat there all morning long and listened to him. So let's welcome him as he comes. He's going to bring it tonight. Give the Lord a praise across this house. Come on, warrior. Ten seconds of praise. Come on. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, 
Come on, give him a shout. Ah, I just had touched the water. I'm sorry. I know that's weird. I just had touched the water. I just have touched the water. I'm going to give God one more praise. I don't know why you're sitting down. We ain't, we ain't there yet. I just had something shoot through my body. I felt the presence of God shoot through my body when I touched that water. My body's been physically under attack this week, so I walked over to touch the water. The Lord said, go touch the water, I'll heal your body. My goodness, I feel his presence now. I won't do that again, because that just messed me up. Hallelujah. All right, you can sit down. Now, I've been here enough that this is home, so I don't have to spend 15 minutes getting to know you. I've fallen in love with this house. I've fallen in love with this couple. They are the real deal. They are apostolic voices that have been raised up for the nations. By the way, if you have uh, ever been around people that know God's word in deep depth, it becomes contagious and you want to sit at their feet. So with, for, for Caneo, I need you to understand that, that there are people in this room when by the time I get done with this message, you'll understand where I'm going. That the call of God is resting greatly upon your life, but you've been hidden. And you need to know by the end of this service that God is going to probably arrest your heart, whether it's in the baptistry or whenever it is, to become a part of Caneo. I'm telling you, become a part of that. Because I honestly believe this with all my heart. We have too many Catholic Pentecostal charismatics. What do I mean by that? You wait on everybody else to feed the word to you. But you ought to be able to open this up and it lights you up. This morning, Pastor Marty stood up here and a scripture hit me and ran through my body in Psalms chapter 32. I'm going to read it to you again because it hit me. Because on Wednesday, I have to make a presentation to my publisher, Charisma. Which, by the way, there's an article coming out, a big old spread coming out from Charisma magazine. It's going to go around the world about this place in the next couple of days. I got a, a text from the, the writer of the article because I contributed to it. Pastors contributed to it. And it's going to be talking about what God is doing here. If you're watching by way of internet, get on a plane next week, fly in next weekend, and come and be a part of this because God is doing something that I have never seen before. And I've traveled almost 3 million miles around the world. I've been on six different continents or five different continents. I've seen God move. Last weekend I was in Portugal, weekend before last. It's in Portugal. Three weeks before that was in Brazil. Over the last six weeks I've seen thousands come to the Lord. But there's something that happens when you pull into the parking lot of this place. In fact, it used to be the parking lot, now it's the parkway. And so I need you to understand, the move of God that is happening in North Georgia here is not normal. It's not man-made, it's not man-produced. In fact, there's been a changing of the guard of the angels that guard God's glory, and they've gotten bigger. And over the next few minutes as I move into this word, I need to challenge you because I had the honor of speaking this morning to this house. I shared about the entrepreneur anointing, the rising of the priests and kings. If you don't have it, get the digital drop card at our table. Grab the book, Rebuilding the Altar, or the book, Unqualified, because I write about that God is about to raise up priests and kings. Finances should never be an issue in the kingdom. It should be the last thing we worry about. We're too busy winning souls. We're too busy being mobile upper rooms. When we walk into places, demons ought to be diving out windows. Are you with me so far? You should, you should transform the atmosphere. And as I move into the word I'm about to share with you, literally it is the next book that I'm going to be writing. 
I've got to share the message called the hidden. But I'm reminded of what it says. Pastor Marty read the scripture this morning. Bring that verse up for me. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. There's a lot of people that are growing old that God is waiting for them to open their mouths. Because we're living a day and an age where truth is a new hate speech and the enemy of truth is silence. And God's about to raise up the nobodies. He's about to raise up the forgotten. He's about to raise up the ones that shouldn't be here. He's about to raise up the ones that, that literally the world has called you illegitimate, but he calls you his. I wish somebody would help me preach for a minute. And the North Georgia revival will be marked by the nobodies. It will be marked by those that God has kept hidden, those that have been through some stuff, because it's impossible to have compassion without first having pain. The ones that understand that what you call a tombstone in your life, God calls a mile marker. Oh, you ain't going to help me preach. I'm going to preach. That's fine. But I got to share a prophetic word over this house. Because God has allowed me to speak into this revival. One of many, many, many speakers. And what's awesome about that is no one can take ownership of that. I said that to the writer of the magazine. Do not attribute this to an evangelist. Contribute it to obedience and desperation and hunger. Saying there's got to be more. Somebody help me praise him for a second, would you? But I want to say to you too, for life, I honor you. Thank you for submitting to lead a move of God. Because it's messed up your life. But there will be a legacy I told him in the prayer room before service, 40 years from now, I'll be sitting in a service at 89 years old because I'm living to 110, amen? I'm good at 110. <laughs> That's about the time I'm done dancing. But I told him, I said, the day's going to come where we're sitting in services and we hear people that are preaching the gospel and they talk about a revival in North Georgia where they gave their heart to God or they, they got in a tank and they accepted the call of God. And I think that could happen tonight. If you believe it, give him a praise. But he went on to say this morning, and it just wrecked me. I sent this text to pastors all over America. Because he said, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. I've come to talk to the ones that God has been trying to move. I've got to preach this word simply titled the hidden. And I'm reminded of, of I'm going to give you a verse. I'm going to bring you back to it at the end. But the Bible speaks in Matthew chapter 3. Do you know that for 5,000 years... The world was waiting on a Messiah. But see, God tends to do things in the dark. Every great thing God has ever done has been done in the dark. And the Bible says this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. Now, if you were to study that version, you would understand. It says the heavens were ripped. That means if you were standing in Dawsonville, Georgia, you would have heard the intercom system of heaven say this. And the heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a light, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son in whom I love. 
with whom I am well pleased. See, there's many things you can tie to the baptismal tank. But one of the greatest things that we forget is that the moment you come up out of that water, it's as if you never existed. You have a completely brand new identity that comes on you. You were never seen before that moment. At the moment you come up out of the water, something shifts in the heavenlies. Now, can I preach this word I've got to share with you? And we're going to come back to that. Because this message is for those that are existing. In fact, understand something. I brought my reveal box with me tonight. Now, you know, this generation, when they find out they're having a child, they do reveal parties. Listen, 27 years ago when my son was born, we didn't do reveal parties. We went and go to work parties. Amen. We went, how are we going to pay for him? Amen. We went, where's the WIC office? Amen. I crawled through a field one day and found bottles to buy diapers. That's kind of, that's what we did. But this generation, they have a party for everything. They, they post a picture from a sonogram and they'll go, look at how beautiful. And it's a face twisted. He looks like his dad. But nowadays when they have a reveal party, my grandsons, I've got two grandsons, Anderson and Jackson. And when they, when they had the reveal party, I mean, everybody got crazy. They, 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 they either have pink or, or blue cake or balloons or tennis shoes or something. I only go to those things for the cake. Because when we found out we were having a, a child, we called our parents and they're like, all right, let us know when he's here. Not now. My God, they have a party for everything. We're going to have a party in a minute. You're about to be heaven's great reveal. You don't even realize it. God's been waiting on you. We're about to have a party at the end of this. In fact, when I open this box at the end of this, I want you to get on your feet and shout and get ready to get baptized because we're about to have a reveal. There was a reveal party that took place right here at this very moment that Jesus came up out of the water. So I must preach about the hidden. I must preach about the ones God has been waiting to raise up. They don't even know they're the ones he's been waiting on. Are you with me so far? Because the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of the year. He said in Matthew 10, 27, What I whisper to you in the dark, the day will come that you proclaim from the rooftops. And as we begin to step into 2018, I received a phone call on New Year's Eve from Pastor John Kilpatrick. He wrote the forward for rebuilding the altar. Karen and I were driving down the road. Our kids were home from California. Everybody was in the house, our grandsons. And there just came a little moment where we needed some coffee. Just need to go for a little ride. Just a little peace. So Karen and I jumped in the car. We're going to get some coffee. My phone rings, and all of a sudden, Pastor Kilpatrick calls me. Hey, son, how are you? I'm good. Just want to tell you something. I have a word from the Lord for you. Yes, sir. He said, you're on a bridge. Literally, at that exact moment, we were, right, we were driving across a bridge. He said, I want you to prepare for a year of interruptions. God interruptions. I want you to prepare because this will be a year like you've never seen before. Little did I know that we would move 39 churches into 2019. 
Little did I know that I would be coming back here over and over and over again. Little did I know about the outbreak of God that would happen in Charlotte, North Carolina, or Mobile, Alabama. Little did I know that it would be a year of interruptions. I'm reminded of when Reinhard Bunke said to me years ago, the great missionary, he, he said to me, we were sitting in his house, and he said, Pat, you would have revival if your calendar didn't get in the way. And in a day and age where we have microwave Christianity, in a day and age where we don't do church on Sunday nights, in a day and age where we, we just kind of pop in and pop out and, and we sanctify demons, it is about time we had some outbreaks of God that went into Sunday nights. Can I say that? But then the Lord said to me, he said, my whisper will be your compass. And he said, listen for the whisper. And now God has been whispering. And what you have to realize is he began to speak to me about the next level of what's going to happen in America. He's going to raise up the hidden. No more superstar celebrity Christianity. No more people that are more concerned about followers on social media than followers at the cross. No more people that use the platform in the holy place of, of the temple of God as a place to build their own ministry, but rather a place to cry out to him. No more. He said you're going to plant altars. All of that to lead you to this where I'm going right here. And I'll never forget in April... On April the 19th, not only had God broke out here, he had broke out in North Carolina. And I was flying different places trying to get to these moves of God. Karen has seen outbreaks of God in all of her services. We just keep seeing these mighty moves of God. We saw it last weekend in Chicago. But I'm sitting on a flight. It's a Monday. I'm trying to get to North Carolina. And I was frustrated because I was delayed. Two hours I'm sitting on the runway. I know that I have to land in Charlotte, drive 45 minutes to Newton, North Carolina, where Eddie James, a, a worship leader, and I have been in this outpouring of God there. I know that I have to have three hours before a service. That's the three-hour rule that God has always given me, three hours set apart for him before I ever preach. He said, never preach longer than you prayed. And so I'm sitting there on the flight. I'm getting more and more frustrated. I'm getting more and more frustrated. I said, God, for two hours, we're pulled off the side of the runway, and I'm trying to get to Charlotte, and the pilot is not giving us any answers. So I'm sitting there. I'm going crazy. I'm like, are you serious? I've got to land there. I've got to get there. I won't even have time to go to my hotel at this point. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, get your phone out. And he begins to speak to me. He says, I have a prophetic word for the church. I get my phone out. All of my books that we have written from, from Why Is God So Mad At Me to I Am Remnant to Unqualified to Rebuilding the Altar to Dehydrated, they start out on our phones. God speaks to me on my phone. That's why I'm up here typing away. It's in my notepad. He's giving me stuff. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, I want you to declare this prophetic word to the church. I said, all right, Lord, and this is what he gave me, and this is for this house right now. Are you ready for this? He said, are you hidden? Then I have good news for you. God has his telescope to his eye. He is searching for the hidden. These are those that are leaving isolation to help lead his visitation. God is bypassing those that have become so entitled that they smell like green rooms and not sheep, so narcissistic that they look past the hurting and stare at the mirror, so self-reliant that they can now avoid the secret place, and so greedy for acceptance that they have chosen relevance over the reverence. This is for you in this room. This is for you watching by internet right now. He went on to say to me, I'm just typing this on my phone, just like this. He said, son, write this down. You see, God always chooses the ones that have disappeared into anonymity in order to learn how ravens feed and brooks keep bubbling. The marching orders are being sent out to the forgotten. The orders are clear. Decrease and he will increase. Catch a flame and they will come and watch you burn. Declare the hope of the cross and exalt his name. Reach the hurting, the lost, and the broken. For they are the future citizenry of heaven, yet even now. I got done. 
all of a sudden the pilot says, we've been cleared. I'm like, Lord, you could have gave me that two hours ago. I wrote it down. You know what I'm saying? We talk like that. We're family. I got to preach about the hidden tonight. Because Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 22, look what Jesus said. For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret that it would come to light. When you come out of that water tonight, you better get ready. For nothing is hidden except to be revealed. You know what I've learned? The greater the anointing, the greater the isolation. I've learned that those that God raises up, he keeps hidden until he's ready to use them so that nobody can poison them. For those of you in this room that feel forgotten, for those of you in this room that feels like nobody knows your name, for those of you in this room that feels like you'll never be anything, let me just go ahead and celebrate you for a second. You are the ones we've been waiting on. You are the ones that God's going to raise up. You, come on, give him a praise. But now I must do something I've never done before in a message. How many of you have ever seen those prescription drug commercials? And for the first 15 seconds, they're like, if you take this pill, you'll live forever. If you take this pill, you'll be able to dance in the park. If you and, and it's a prescription drug. But then the last 45 seconds is the disclaimer. If you take this pill, you'll die. Some who have tried this have gone blind. Some woke up and their feet no longer worked. But they don't let you really focus on that because after they tell you the good thing the pill will do for you, then they have people dancing. They get in Ferris wheels. They're throwing a baseball. They're chasing, they're throwing a frisbee to their dog. And they do that deliberately so you'll ignore the disclaimer. So the first 15 seconds, you're like, I'm going to the doctor, write it, write it, write that proscription right there, there, doctor. Then the last 15 seconds, you're like, oh, look at them dance. And they're going, secretly, quiet little words, you'll die. Some who have taken this in, in our test groups never walked again. I mean, it's just, but you're looking at the dog. So I need to do something because I have to give a disclaimer for this message. And, and I've never done a disclaimer for a message. But I have to do this because some of you will use this, we this message as a weapon to attack others. So here comes a disclaimer. So for those of you that get offended easily, there's a dog over there chasing a frisbee. Amen. Go, Fido. Here we go. You ready? Disclaimer. Many will hear this message and use it as an opportunity to throw rocks instead of leaning upon the rock. There's a Ferris wheel. Why are them people sitting in that bathtub? Now watch. <laughs> I know, right? Commercial. <laughs> Understand that being spiritually disciplined by authority is not the same as God-created season of isolation. They can work hand in hand. But we must understand the difference. There are some who have been isolated because your spirit wasn't ready. Doggy. There's a doggy over there. Look at it. Because your spirit was not ready. Now, if you listen to this message, you will suddenly come up out of your grave. If you listen to this message, you will suddenly realize why you've been through is a great indication of who you're called to. If you listen to this message, you will walk in extreme authority and quit living and celebrating or trying to fix the past you can't fix. Quit trying to make your past happy. It can't be done. Back to the disclaimer. Doggy, doggy. 
There are some who've been isolated because your spirit wasn't ready. Your attitude was toxic or your lack of obedience to spiritual authority has caused leadership to place you on the sidelines of church or ministry. Doggy. Maybe it's because you thought ministry was about wood and grave platforms and not carpet burns. The into, I've never wrote a disclaimer in a single message. Marty, you've, we've been together for a long time. I've never wrote a disclaimer, but I, got, I, got, I had to write it. Doggy. The intoxication of self has always produced a devil desiring to be worshipped above the one who created him. Mavericks are usually martyred by self-inflicted wounds caused from, a caused from a knife called pride. Okay, back to the movie. Are you ready? Can I read to you an obscure scripture? There are passages of scripture in God's word that without it, you will not get to Jesus. I'm talking of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is Christocentered. That means everything was preparation for the Messiah to re be revealed. The New Testament was the revelation of him in the Gospels, but then the revelation of him in our lives in the letters. So you have to understand something. The Old Testament was building blocks to get to Jesus. It was Christocentered. But there are passages of Scripture that without that little tiny passage of Scripture, we would have never had Jesus. And a lot of people don't understand that. Because we know that Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. He couldn't come from the first three tribes because they were wrapped up in revenge and incest. He will never come be a part of a church that is wrapped up, that it only propagates within the house, and it only causes church splits. So he came from the tribe of the worshipers, the fourth tribe, Judah. But there's a passage of Scripture that without it, we wouldn't have celebrated Israel's 70th anniversary. Much like Esther, much like Joseph. Without them, there is no Israel. You're still with me, right? This is one of those scriptures that most people have never read. Now watch this. Bring the verse up for me. 2 Chronicles 22, looking at verse 10. I'm going somewhere. Listen closely because we're going to have God's big reveal. I brought my box with me. Get ready. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family of the house of Judah. What does that even mean? Follow me. There was two kingdoms in the Old Testament. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was the good kingdom. The northern kingdom was headed up by Ahab and Jezebel. You know who they are, right? John the Revelator says Jezebel is still in the church. Who was she? She was an evil, manipulating woman. She loved to kill the anointed. They had to hide the priest from her. She hated God. She worshipped Baal. She worshipped Beelzebub, Lord of the dung, the Lord of the dung flies. So you've got the northern kingdom versus the southern kingdom. Think about it like this. SEC versus Big Ten. Roll Tide. Now watch. I'm so sorry. I don't know how that came out of me right there. I just, I don't know. Winning is intoxicating. Now watch. <laughs> the Bible says there's the southern kingdom, a king by the name of King Jehoshaphat. Northern kingdom, Ahab and Jezebel. Remember what happened to Jezebel? She got thrown out of a tower. The Bible says that the dogs came to eat her. The Bible says the dogs would not eat the palms of her hands or the soles of her feet or her skull because even a dog will not eat what you won't worship with. Follow me for a second. Jezebel was demonic. She tortured the prophets. She came against the prophets. Elijah fought against her. You've got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Jehoshaphat. 
the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom decided, you know what, let's end all this bickering and all this fighting, which was not supposed, was not of God. And so they said, let's get our kids married. So all of a sudden, King Jehoshaphat has a son by the name of Jehoram who marries Athaliah, the daughter of Jezebel. How many of you know some families should never get together? That's one of them family reunions where somebody's going to die. Amen. So you got Ahab, or you got Jehoram who marries Athaliah. They have a son by the name of Ahaziah. Go back to the verse for me. I'm trying to teach you something really quick here. It's important. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, so here's Athaliah, the daughter of Jezebel, whose son gets killed in battle. He's now the king. This crazy grandmother, the daughter of Jezebel, the mother of King Athaliah, her son gets killed in battle, and she goes crazy. Watch what happens. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family of the house of Judah. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Joash, son of Ahaziah. Everybody say Joash. This morning we talked about the chest of Joash that rebuilt the temple. But the Bible says she took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered and put him in a nurse, in his nurse, in a bedroom. Follow me. Athaliah, the daughter of Jezebel, finds out her son, who is now the king, gets killed in battle. She decides she wants to be in charge, so she runs into the nursery and starts killing all her grandsons. This is not a good G-ma. This is not a good nana. Are you with me? She's not taking you to Chuck E. Cheese. She's Chucky, all right? Okay? You do not want to have a party with her. Don't eat the cookies she drops off. You'll die. She runs in. She starts slitting the throats of her own grandsons. And at that exact moment, her son who's killed, his sister, runs in and grabs one of the little boys. While all his brothers are being murdered, she grabs a little boy, and the Bible says she takes him in the nurse and says, come on, come on, come on. Grandma's crazy. Puts him in a bedroom. And the Bible goes on to say, because Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram and the wife of the priest Jehoiada, was a hazia sister, she hid the child from Athaliah so she could not kill him, and he remained hidden for six years. I'll come back to that in a moment. I've come to talk to the ones that should have died in the nursery. I've come to talk to the ones that Father's been waiting to raise up. Because you may not realize it, but you are the preciousness of possibility. You're here tonight because he planned this. Regardless of what came against you, regardless of who tried to kill you, regardless of who came against, who, who tried to take you out, regardless of what was spoken over you, you're still here. And what you have to understand is God told me to even speak to some of the pastors that are in this house. And I don't know where Tina is at. She was standing up here just a moment. Tina, where's your, where are you at? You have no idea 
you were not engrafted into the call of God. The call of God was already in you. And the overwhelming fear that you feel when you walk on this stage, it's because there is a voice that has to come out of you. And you are happy being a partner and a sideline person and helping from behind the scenes, but there's more for you. There's more. Were you raised in ministry? You were not raised in ministry, were you? That's part of the issue. You've been had in your mind that you were not ready for this. And God says, you don't understand. You were not raised in ministry and it was a reason. You were being protected from what could have destroyed you. And just because you have family members, including grandfathers that ignored the call, God says he is restoring it back to your household. Forgive me, I must keep going. But you are the preciousness of possibility. He's been waiting. It's not by chance, Rama, that you're here. This is planned before you were born. And what you have to understand, folks, is God sent me to share this word with you because i got to deal with some stuff. I've found that God's will for your life doesn't come in a neon sign. It usually comes in a quiet season. I just came through that season. I've, I've understood that, that this message is for those that, that, that feel the stirring of incompleteness like there's got to be more. That somewhere along the way in the Christianity today, it's about platforms and positions rather than wilderness. Seasons where God can whisper to you. He can take you to that valley of decision. And what you have to understand, God told me to come and tell you those that have been hidden lately, He is not trying to violate you. He's going to validate you. You're the ticket in His pocket that helps you get out of the parking lot. And what you have to understand, creation, Romans chapter 8, verse 19, it waits in eager expectation. We've been waiting for you to be revealed. But I've learned that my walk with God is a mystery. That's what Colossians says. It says your walk with God is that you'll understand that we have the mystery of God. We may know his mystery. The word mystery means mysterion in the Greek. It, mean, it literally means I can't speak about it. I sit on planes every week and people say to me, so what do you do? And if I try to tell them, I'll get that cockeyed look. So I just say, I'm a writer. What do you write about? Jezu. I go Mexican on them. <laughs> that was stupid, wasn't it? But see, what you have to understand is there's that moment where you begin to realize that God has been waiting. It's Philippians 1 verse 6. I'm confident of this. I'll never forget at 16 years old, I, I found the Lord. And at 17, I started helping at a youth ministry. And it was a small church, so I volunteered for it. And, and next thing you know, I'm a youth pastor, a senior in high school, playing sports. Was a youth pastor. And I would show up and it began to grow because that evangelist anointing, that drawing anointing, I didn't know it was there. I didn't even want to do it. I, I hated the call of God. But the best way to know you're called to preach is you wake up thinking about it, you go to bed thinking about it, and everything that happens to you would be a great sermon illustration. And if you ignore it, you're going to be a mean board member. And then all of a sudden... My pastor tells me, he says, I've signed you up to go to a youth pastor's conference. So I show up at the youth pastor's conference, and it's a big event. And here I am, a senior in high school. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was barely saved. 
Didn't even, I'd have to go look through books to just find something to share on a Wednesday night to 50-something students in Birmingham, Alabama, and a place called Centerpoint. And I'm going, what am I doing? And, and I'll never forget, I went to this youth pastor's conference, and there was guys there that had been doing it for years, and they're walking around, and they're marking territory. And they're standing in the hallways, oh, I had 300 this last week, I had 400. Why doesn't anybody just ever have three? And I'm standing there, finally the last night of the conference comes. I'm a senior in high school, feel like an idiot, I don't belong, no one spoke to me. They think I'm just a camp volunteer guy or something. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden I, I'm standing in the back and I, I, went, I went in to, to tell my one friend goodbye of the chapel where the service was happening. There's a guy on stage by the name of Glenn Berto. I write about this in Unqualified. And all of a sudden, I'm standing in the back, and I'm going home to tell my pastor, I cannot do this. I am not called to do this. I'm going to the Air Force Academy. I'm going to fly planes and blow people up. And all of a sudden, I'm standing in the back by the door, and this top youth pastor in America at the time, Glenn Berto, my son now works for him full-time out in California. All of a sudden, this guy is standing on stage, and he points back at the back door of this big sanctuary with all these youth pastors, and he goes, you. Hey, God didn't call you to fail. You're not going to fail. And I fell on the floor, and I began to weep. I wrote about that in the book. That's why Glenn did the fourth. See, I've got to deal with some stuff tonight that's made to be a little bit different from what you came expecting. But I promise you, if you get a hold of this when you come out of the water, you'll understand why you went through what you went through there in that death season. What you have to understand is I have learned this thing. Sometimes you go into a wilderness season and it's got not God's punishment. It's, his, it's, it's not a time out. It's, it's a protection mode that he puts you in. Because God told me to come and tell somebody in this room, you've been hidden but you've not been forgotten. This is your season. What do you mean? I want to speak to those that are cursing their desert, those that are looking for an exit door. Because Colossians 3 tells me that, that for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. It says we're called to be hidden. In a day and age of social media screaming, in a day and age of look at what I'm doing, in a day and age where literally if you look at Instagram on Easter, the whole world got saved according to the numbers. In a day and age where you're, I'm, I'm go, God's saying, I, that's not who I'm going to use now. I'm going to use the forgotten. I'm going to use the ones nobody saw coming. I'm going to raise up a church in North Georgia in Dawsonville that for eight years has been going through a battle that is in a factory that where the roof is leaking. God says, I've been waiting to, oh, I wish you'd help me preach. Because God always takes his special ones out of the crowd. It's the same thing that a little lamb does. A little lamb has to leave the sheep and go under a bush and push. And all the shepherd can do is watch. He can't do anything about it when it's about to give birth. And you have to understand, there's a moment where God says, I want you to wait. It's Psalms 27, verse 13. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and wait. I've learned but the, 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 the calling of God without the timing of God results in the absence of God. I've spent a many a years when the teacher didn't talk when he gives a test. I've spent a many of years. I wrote about it and why is God so mad at me when I moved my whole family to Vegas because somebody had promised all this stuff for our ministry and I sat through 90 days of silence in the Mojave Desert 
when I got out of my car and, and my good friend Israel Houghton, his song had just come out, I am a friend of God, and I get out in the middle of the desert and begin to dance before the Lord with the music turned up saying, I am a friend of God. Oh, by the way, the altar's open. See, I have books that haven't even been published. I wrote one book 15 years ago called When the Spirit of the City Wins, how you go to change a city, but the city changes you because I saw so many of my friends that were pastoring and they were becoming like what they went to change because whatever you focus on, you become instead of looking at the cross. And so I wrote this whole book. I presented it to publishers and they laughed at me. It's still sitting on the corner of my desk. Now they want it. They ain't getting it. Because then I wouldn't have something to be mad about. But it's back in chapter 2. Write it down. The day's going to come when it will be time to reveal it. Do you think his book he sat down started overnight? He had to go through seasons. And I've learned in the waiting season, you can go two different directions. Oh, church, I got to wrap this up. You can get bitter, you can get better, you can make up your mind, this is my season to grow, and I'm not going to blame the pastor that should have done this or the person that should have done that. I'm going to praise him in the quiet so that when I go public, it won't be new to my ears. Oh, you ain't getting this yet because you got to become God's big reveal. Our family has a picture in the hallway outside of one of the prayer rooms in our home, and it's very simple. It's been my whole life because I've learned that rejection is protection. If I try to open a door on my own, then, then I'm going to have to pay a price for that because the Bible says in Revelation, he opens and closes doors. But we have a picture in our hallway. This is literally a picture of our hallway. And it literally says, it hangs on the door. It's on the, on the wall. It says, until God opens the next door, I'm going to praise him in the hallway. And you need to understand something. Kirkland's. I don't need a lawsuit. Now listen. My friend George Sawyer said it like this. The struggle doesn't make you, it reveals you. Oh, I got to hurry now because God told me to come and tell some of you this is your moment. Your delay is due process and action. He had to get some things going, pastors, in this house. He had to put you over in this place, pastors, in this house, because you have to understand, God had already raised up, back to the story, God had already raised up Jehu, the assassin who would destroy the northern kingdom. He would kill Ahab and Jezebel. But in the midst of this process, the Bible says that Athaliah, the daughter of Jezebel, mama killed the anointing. The daughter of Jezebel, an evil woman named Athaliah. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, who also worshiped Baal, which is a sexual deity. The Bible says that she gets word. Her husband dies. He was a wimpy kind of guy. So her son becomes king. He's a wimpy kind of guy. He gets killed by Jehu, his cousin. In battle, now her husband is dead, her son is dead, and she wakes up and she says, wait a minute, and that mama spirit come on her. That Jezebel spirit comes on her. And all of a sudden she goes running into the nursery and begins to kill off all of her future competition. Begins to kill all of her own grandsons. I have two grandsons, they own my world. You'll see them playing for Alabama. Or anybody else willing to pay for it, Amen. <laughs> I'll put a bumper sticker on for four years. I don't care. Listen. And this is a messed up situation. Can I just say something to you? 
the spirit of Athaliah is loose in the kingdom. Remember what Jezebel did? She tortured the anointing. They had to hide him in caves from her. But you know what daughter does? She doesn't just kill the anointing. She kills the anointing in the nursery. She takes you out at the moment you get saved. She begins to attack you. The Athaliah spirit is the daughter of Jezebel and not only kills the anointing, but makes sure that the anointing never reaches maturity. Oh, you're not getting this yet. It's loose in the body of Christ. It's a spirit that says, I don't have to come under authority. It's a spirit that says, I don't have to listen to what they have to say. It's a spirit that says, I'm going to get mine. It's a spirit that says, everybody's fake in the church. It's a spirit that says, you know what? They just sound hateful because they believe all of God's word and they believe what marriage should be or they believe in the life of a child. It's a spirit that's attacking a generation. Mama killed my generation. She made people quit the ministry every, every 90 minutes. Don't know what that was, but I'm coming over here. Been to a lot of weird churches. We'll figure it out later. But the Athaliah spirit, you know what it does? It tells this generation, go sit with their friends. And it tells them, the church doesn't love you. The church just throws rocks. They throw, they hang you with a rope instead of throwing ropes to pull you out. And they lie to a generation. The Athaliah spirit is killing off the future generation. That's why 50, the average age of preachers in America is 56 years old because they're killing off the next generation. They're seducing the, the generation of the called to believe they can act like the world they, to win the world. You're not getting this yet. I've got to wrap this up. But God told me to come and tell you because the Athaliah spirit is loose and she'll take you out before you step into your destiny. You'll get offended at things. She'll make you want ladders and not letters. What do you mean? I'm going to climb the ladder of ministry. I'm going to climb the ladder of the church. I'm going to move up the hierarchy instead of understanding that it's about letters, not ladders. It's Philippians 2, chapter 2. I do nothing out of selfish ambition. Are you getting this so far? It's about choosing the mirror over the cross. It's about me. It's about sex. Uh, it's self-exaltation versus understanding obedience to the cross. James 3, 16. I will do for where, where you have envy and selfish ambition. There you find disorder. See, it's about getting to that place where I can't come under authority. I can't go to I can't be a part of that type of thing because I'm my own person. I just show up and I just church hop every week, flip my belly over, and I got brands everywhere. I've been a part of all of them. Instead of realizing that you got to bloom where you're planted, you got to come under authority. Submission's only a theory till it costs you something. It's about waiting for your season. Galatians 6 9. Don't grow weary. In the proper time, you'll reap the harvest. Somebody give God a praise. My next book, can't wait to get the fan mail on that one. Can I say something to you though? Because here's a little boy. His brothers are being murdered. His father's dead and his grandmother's cray cray. Never said that before. Can I just stop and tell you something church as I get ready to close? Quit blaming the nursery. Quit blaming what you've been through. There's a reason why the rear view mirror is smaller and the windshield is a hundred times bigger. 
because there comes a moment where you got to go forgetting what is behind me. I am pressing. It don't matter what mama did. It don't matter what daddy did. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who tried to kill me. It doesn't matter who snuck into my bedroom. It doesn't matter who did that to me. It doesn't matter. I'm still here. There's a moment where you say others aren't here, but I'm still here. blaming the nursery and the Bible says this that while grandma out the lie I'm not quite to that music part but we're getting there grandma out the wire is running wild and as she's killing all the boys his aunt, who's married to Jehoiada the priest, who would become his spiritual father, runs in and picks him up. Says, shh, shh, come here. There was the preciousness of possibility. She was killing off the, 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 what the Bible calls the royal seed royale, or the seed royale. She takes him and puts him in a room. And she says, I need to know, I need to know something. You're not allowed to play. You're not allowed to be loud. There's no birthday parties. You're gonna hear things outside the hall, but don't speak. If you do, you're in danger. And for six years, a little boy sat while his grandmother destroyed the kingdom, tortured the Levitical order, destroyed the temple of God. That's where the Joash chest would come from. Second Chronicles 22, 11. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Joash, son of Ahazi, and sold him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered and put him in his nurse, his nurse in a bedroom. can curse your past I can get upset I walked into my parents bedroom at 12 years old a pastor's wife my mom is and she had a gun to her head and I tackled her as the gun went off nervous breakdown I can curse my past my father was a drug dealer. Got saved when I was five years old. Off the streets of Detroit. Pastored little tiny churches. Three years later, pastored little tiny churches. Nine years old, my best friend was African American. His name's Johnny. Johnny would later become the lawyer for the Olympics. standing in a little redneck church in Alabama a man walked up to him and said we don't want you in this church my dad walked up to the man my dad's a big man <laughs> and he said if he leaves I leave that's my son's best friend so the next Sunday all those families left I can curse my past. 
or I can use it. I can use it as a testimony that I'm still here from a bunch of drug addict families, wife-beating families. See, James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. There's a crown waiting on you. See, I've learned that isolated Christians hiding from an infected culture will only hoard the antidote called hope. We've been hiding in the buildings too long. Because God has the power to turn sleepers into reapers. Orphans into the found, widows into brides, children's weeping into laughter. But see, what you have to understand, all through God's word, anybody they used, he hid. Moses. Hey, Moses, you're a big deal. But now your picture's up in the post office, so for the next 40 years, we're going to hide you till everybody dies and that poster falls off the bulletin board. Joseph, you dreamer. Welcome to 20 years in prison. David. You've just been anointed. You just killed a giant. Way to go. Welcome to 20 years from running from a madman. Living in garbage dumps and caves. Because you're not going to get anointed once. You're not going to get anointed twice. You're going to have to get anointed three times. Anyone that God uses, he hides. Then all of a sudden God speaks to Saul or to Samuel and says, Hey Samuel, for Samuel 16. I found somebody to take the place of Saul. Saul means well known. This guy's name's David. It means hidden, unknown. David's name means hidden. He's not important. In fact, he's the eighth son of Jesse, but actually he's the seventh son, but he got bumped up to eight according to 1 Chronicles 10 because he's illegitimate. His own brothers hate him. His mother's name was Nitzbet. Concubine. You're going to go find him. And first you're going to think you're going to do is you're going to try to pour oil over his brothers because they look like they got it together. They're linebackers. They're quarterbacks. They're tall. They're big. They look like they got it together. But God's finger is going to be in the oil pipe. And until you figure out which one it is, God's not going to remove his finger. But the, when you finally say, ask the question, Jesse, is there not another? Oh, yeah, I forgot to call my other son. We don't bring him home that much because he's kind of an embarrassment to the family. But when he comes running in, I'm going to remove my finger. And the Bible says when God removed his finger from the royal horn of oil, the oil of God began to flow down the head of David. And the wind of God entered him for the rest of his life. When you come out of this water tonight, you're going to take a breath. And a wind of God is going to come into you for the rest of your life. Enough of this backsliding on Saturday and praising on Sunday and living like hell on Monday. There's a moment where you rise up and you get a hold of this. Is he not enough? Oh, it's time for God's big reveal, isn't it? The Bible says he was hidden in the house for six years. 
But in 2 Chronicles 23, verse 1, it says, in his seventh year, Jehoiada. You know what Jehoiada means? <laughs> Yahweh knows. So the whole time you're up here this morning going, Jehoiada, you were saying, Yahweh knows. When you're telling, telling the story of him saying, put the, the treasure chest by the altar, you're saying, Yahweh knows. He knows what you, he knows about that dark room you were in before this broke out. But I love what it says right here, because this is time for this to happen in America, okay? Too many wimps carrying Bibles. We don't even know what we believe, and we test the wind. Will people leave my church if I say that? If they'll leave you for saying that, they were with you when you didn't even, when you, when you said the good. They weren't with you when you said the good, so just let them go. Because this is the day, I love what my friend Dr. Michael Brown always says. He said, this is the day of steel spines and skint knees. Because you will get attacked. I wrote an article two weeks ago about where the Lord spoke to me and said, it's time for my lions to roar. God TV picked it up. Charisma picked it up. They all sent it out. And I was just so afraid. I won't even go look. My wife will call me and say, do not look at the comments. I don't even look at the comments people just they'll eat you man feel your presence all around me the Bible says in verse 1 in the seventh year Jehoiada showed his strength all of a sudden the Bible says he runs in to where the little boy is hidden he says, hello, it's your seventh birthday. Yep. Do you want me to tell you what we're going to do for you today? Oh, what's that? We're going to present you as the king. Takes the little boy by the hand. Been hidden. Nobody knew he was there. Grandma Othaliah is just up there eating bonbons watching Lifetime. All of a sudden, the Bible says, look what the verse says. Bring it up. Bring up the next verse for me, if you would. He had already told the Levitical order, get your sword and your trumpets. He literally awoke the priest, meaning don't hide anymore. And all of a sudden, the Bible says they bring the little boy out. And they stand him at the gates of the temple. And I bet he just kind of looked awkward. Big old crown, robe, scepter, law. He's just standing there. And the people begin to sing. Long live the king. And the Levites begin to worship. In that exact moment, Monday after Sunday came. In verse 12, when Athaliah heard the cheering of the people, she jumped up in a royal tower, looked out the window, and began to scream, treason, treason, treason. She went running downstairs. But Jehoiada, the priest, sent out the commanders of the units and said, go get her. And anybody with her, you better be careful who you're following. Because the Bible says they take her out to the horse gates. And they murdered her. 
They put her to death. And that little boy would reign for 40 years. He would rebuild the house of God. But, he, but, he, but what about my nursery? You're still here. See, the Lord spoke to me. I'll never forget, about a month or two months ago, a little girl sent me an Instagram message. And I get tons of those for when I speak youth conference and stuff. And so I don't reply or anything or even let them know I've seen them most of the time because I just don't do that. And a lot of wisdom in that. And, but I open it up and it says, Pat, I had a dream last night that you were declaring God was raising up priests and kings. Revelation 1, Revelation 5, royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2, 9. That means we have a king anointing and a priest anointing. And when I was writing this message, the Lord said, I want you to have the big reveal at the end of it. But rather than pink and blue, the Lord said, get ready. Because God told me to tell you in this room, he's raising up priests and kings. It's, by the way, it's one person inside, priests and kings. Jesus, priests and kings. It means he's going to give you the authority to conquer the land, but be able to give you the intimacy to lead your family back to the altar. And so tonight, you're God's big reveal. And just as when Jesus came up out of the water, I'll get there in just a second, because what you don't realize is Jesus was God's big reveal. It had been prophesied over and over. He became the ultimate reveal. Behold the Lamb of God. But I'll get there in just a second as I close. But tonight, God told me to tell you, as I open this box, I want you to get up on your feet and begin to shout because you're going to feel the Holy Spirit all over you. God told me to tell you, not yet. God told me to tell you you're his big reveal. And just like parents have reveal parties, heaven's having a reveal party tonight. You shouldn't have been here. You should have died in the nursery. The enemy wanted to take you out, but you've been hidden on the back roads of nowhere. But nowhere is where God meets you. And when they say no way, he screams Yahweh. And what you don't understand is God told me to tell you he's been waiting to reveal you. And just like parents release balloons, tonight we're having a reveal party. Because all over this place, it is time for the priests and kings to rise up in this place. It is time for those that God has been waiting on. Those that God has been wanting to use. Those that God has chosen for such a time as this. Oh! See, you're not getting it yet. God told me to tell you, we're going to leave them. I hear the sound of an army. Rising up in the land. See, what you don't realize is, remember what happened? 5,000 years they waited on Jesus. Suddenly the heavens open. The angels speak to shepherds because shepherds are anointed to hear first. They said, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. First altar call in the New Testament. Go to the barn and worship. Two years later, three wise men, three kings, knock on the door. Jesus is two years old. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold for royalty. Frankincense for the aroma of God. Myrrh for the healing of mankind. Jesus disappears. We don't hear from him. 
10 years later, he gets lost, gets separated, steps up, starts preaching. What you got to get is over and over and over, Jesus was hidden. Glory was hidden for nine months in a woman's belly. The gateway of life. He preaches. Spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He's anointed me. Boom, he disappears. 18 more years. That's what I call getting grounded. For getting lost. Then all of a sudden. John the Baptist standing there one day baptizing folks prepare the way Jesus said of him no man's ever been created equal to him preached to roughly 200,000 people from a tree stump preparing the way then all of a sudden he said there's one coming towards me that I'm not worthy to wear the sandals of I baptize you in water, but he's going to baptize you in Holy Ghost and fire. Behold the Lamb of God. Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus said, baptize me. I, I'm not, I don't, you must baptize me. This is fulfillment of the law. 30 years old, all priests must be baptized. That's why Jeremiah rolled around in the mud. He baptized himself in a ditch while in captivity. John takes him into the muddy, filthy, gross Jordan River all sewage and everything floating around and when he takes Jesus down he was acting out his death burial and resurrection can you imagine when Jesus is underwater I wonder if he said father you see what's happening right that's it and the minute he comes up out of the water a dove comes off of him and the heavens split wide open and God says, yeah, I see it. You're my boy. That's my boy right there. Jesus preached for three and a half years. But then they allowed him to be taken to a cross. He allowed himself to be taken to a cross because we needed a perfect lamb to get us to the altar. They would hide him from the people in a sewage shed where we put on trial. spent his whole life hiding oh by the way after he went through the baptismal he went into a wilderness for 40 days being led by the Holy Spirit he went into the wilderness defeated all three temptations all sin falls underneath that and then after the 40 days with no life in him the angels came and ministered to him and the Bible says being led by the Spirit into the wilderness he was led by the Spirit out of the wilderness and then his fame grew we want the fame without the wilderness it don't work that way I, was, I wrote about it. There's a link on my Instagram that'll lead you to an article I wrote called The Death of Me. I've spent more time in the Underground Railroad where God is trying to take me into freedom on Monday through Friday than stages on Sunday. See, God doesn't care about your ministry. He cares about His name. So He has to crush you like an olive to get the anointing. Gone too long. And the Bible says he's taken and he's scourged. He didn't even look like a man. There was no flesh left on him and he hung. And 
Satan's laughing, thinking I defeated the righteous Lamb of God. And he said, I thirst, I forgive, and it's finished. And he gave up his breath. And for three days, he was hidden. For three days, what we thought was a quiet, closed tomb. Oh, my friends. For three days, what we thought was a Savior conquered. For three days. But see, you don't understand. That tomb may have been quiet, but hell wasn't. Because at that exact moment, he walked into the hidden place. He walked into the dark place. And the Bible says he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And on the third day, that which was hidden, suddenly, the Bible says, came up out of that grave. And what you don't understand, church, is there's a moment where you begin to realize he rose. And when he arose out of that grave, at that exact moment, what had been hidden was revealed. And God sent me to tell you tonight, oh, I feel your presence, Lord. He was hidden. So he can now be hidden in my heart. And the resurrection of the king came at a price. What started in a baptistry ended in authority. And all over this house, Holy Spirit is moving right now. And I've got to talk to three different people. And the baptistry tank is about to be open. Because when you come up out of there, I'm going to tell you to do something tonight. When you go down in that water, I want the Holy Spirit to take you through flashbacks of hell flashbacks of places you should have died but when you come up out of that water we will not have seen that person anymore that person will not exist anymore because at the moment you come up the washing of the old the restoration somebody help me shout come on alive in our life and there's people in this room that God has been trying to awaken there's people in this room that God is wanting to wash some things off your life and I'll be held in contempt of my office you know Pastor Todd I've been very careful because during the past revivals in history there was a lot of braggadociousness that went on I'm very careful to tell people I get to be a part of this because I don't want to mess it up. Oh, yeah, I'm one of them speakers at the revival in North Georgia. I don't tell anybody. I tell them about the revival, but I don't tell them I speak. Because it's sacred. It's holy. Someday, we'll look back. Maybe your name will be in chapter 4 chapter 10 
but there'll be books written about this. But God's about to move. Every eye shut across this place. If he can be hidden from me, there's only one way to heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth and believe it in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, I'll be saved. There is no other way. And this is the moment where you now get hidden in Christ so he can be revealed through you. They don't see you, they see him. You are Christ's ambassador. The Bible says, whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, I'm saved. But it's not just about saying something, it's about having open heart surgery. And tonight, with every eye shut across this place, God is saying, I want to be revealed in your life. God says, I want you to get all the other stuff out of your life. I want to cleanse you and forgive you and heal you. And with every eye shut across this place, if you say, I need Jesus Christ to forgive me and change me. I am desperate for God to be revealed in me. I've been hidden too long in my sin. I want to be hidden in Christ now. If he can be hidden for me, I can be hidden for him. I can now open and expose my life to him and say, God, do it. So with every eye shut, if you don't need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your moment. You, this is the precept to the tank. This is what has to happen. You've got to say, I want him. He is the Christ. I choose him to be my Lord. Every eye shut. If you say, Pat, I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior right now. I need Jesus to forgive me. I want to know Jesus. I want him to come inside of me and be my Lord. And with every eye shut across this place, if you, and you're watching by way of internet, if you need Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, to be the one that can cleanse you, forgive you, accept you as you are, and wash you, if that is you, if you have sin in your life, or you've never accepted Christ your Lord and Savior, raise your hand now. No one's looking around. Raise it up high. Say, this is weird. Raise it up higher. Raise it up higher. Come on, higher. Who gives a rip who sees? If you just raise your hand, and there's hands up all over this place, if you just raise your hand, come stand down here right now. This isn't for me to get a number I can write down or some, some little notch on my belt. Come on. Come stand down here right now. Come on, I'm waiting on you. Just raise your hand. He's calling out to you. Come and join your family. Second call. How many of you feel like you've been hidden, put on the sidelines, but God's ready to use you? Raise your hand. That's a lot of people in this room. It's where the body of Christ is right now because you have been happy sitting back, letting other people lead, and God said this is your moment. If you raise your hand, come stand down here right now. Join everybody already down here. Come on. Come on. Because I'm going to tell you, I believe 98% of the body of Christ has been hidden. But you're about to be revealed. You're about to be raised up. Oh, yeah. Here, just turn right around and face me right here. Come on, turn around and face me right here. Just stay right there. You're good. You're perfect right there. Can we do this together? All over the house. Raise one hand and say, I will. And raise the other hand and say, surrender. We're going to pray a prayer together. You ready? Everybody pray this with me. You ready? I'll hold your hand. Say, Jesus, come on, say it with your eyes shut, but say it boldly. Jesus, change me. 
my Lord. Jesus, I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. You are the only way to true life. So Jesus, on this day, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being the lamb that was hidden for me. Jesus, take my life. You are the Christ. You are the real deal. Take my life. Consume me with your love. Overwhelm me with your spirit. And get ready. Everybody lift your hands up and say, all over the house, say, those of you that have been hidden, get ready. Here comes the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, there are pastors in this room. There are leaders in this room. There are people that have been on the sidelines with their hands raised. I just want you to raise your hands and say, God, I'm right here. Use me. Say, God, I forgive the nursery. Oh, here comes his presence. Cry out to God all over this room. Don't clap. Don't clap. Cry out. Cry out. Big difference. Don't clap. Cry out to him. He's about to overwhelm you. He's about to overwhelm you. Somebody needs to cry out, I understand the nursery. The nursery didn't kill me. I'm still here. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're mine. Lift your hands. Here comes the Holy Spirit right now. You're You're all all together. together. Oh, you're all All together. Hands out like this. Oh, so here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together, lovely. All together, worthy. All together, wonderful to me. Now, here's what's going to happen. There are people in this room that when you come out of that water, how many of you ever saw the movie Hook? It's like one of the best movies ever, okay? But Peter Pan's grown up in the movie, okay? This little boy walks over to him, he starts rubbing his face, and he goes, there you are, Peter. You know what's going to happen? Dumb illustration, I know. When you come out of the water, heaven's going to open up and go, there you are. I got all that junk washed off of you in that baptismal tank. I've been looking for you to come out of this water. And when you come up out of that water, the Holy Spirit's going to hit you. And He's going to overwhelm you. And there's going to be healing in your body from your toes to the top of your head. Because as you go down, everything that's been on you staying down. And when you come out, just like that moment with, with Jesus, heaven's going to go open up and say, that's my child. So all over the house, one last thing. Lift your hands and say, God, I'm ready. Use me. Eyes shut. Shut your eyes. Say, God, let me feel. Uh, it's going to hurt, so hold on, no music. I'm sorry, got to do this. Say, God. Let me feel. I'm ready for my burden. Let me feel 
with the lost in my family and my friends. Let me feel what they're feeling now. So I'll get, my, so I'll get out of my own way and let you use me. God, let me feel the pain, the burden now. The revival is about the lost. Tonight, when you come out of that water, you're not only going to be filled with the Spirit, but it's going to be a burden that hits you. Pastor Todd, come and join me because the tank is open. Those that are going to be baptized, head on back right now because God wants to do something supernatural in this room. But everyone else in this room, come and find a place with God right now as we get ready to celebrate, as we get ready to praise. Miracles are going to begin to happen and all over this room. I want pastors in this room that have been feeling forgotten to come find a place with God right now. I want leaders in this room that have been waiting on God to reveal His purpose to come find a place with God right now. I don't know about you, but I stood at the back wall of a chapel and one man stopped and looked at me and said, God did not call you to fail. And there are people in this room that need to come find a place with God now.
I'm telling you, that's what I hear the Holy Spirit saying. He's about to be, over the next 24 hours, begin to bring things into light. Things you've been waiting on. Things that you're like, wow, recognition. Because he was hiding you till you heard this message. So lift your hands. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow. Here I am to say that. You're my God, you're all together lovely, all together 